the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's the Four Horsemen. That ought to be much better. Oh, you know what? We might be doing a little better with volume now. Nate the Great figured it out. Nate the Great. So, so we're, Nate I, the okay I, there I'm, for a minute. I, I get paid for printing pages. I, <laughs> I do not run the audio. This is not your lane. <laughs> You're doing a fine job, though, getting us going. Uh, so once again, welcome back to the Four Horsemen podcast. We've got Nate over here. got Adam Black and Derek McCarson. And we are glad to be back with you today. Today, we are going to be talking about a hot topic in the world. It's been a hot topic for quite some time. Um, as a matter of fact, it's been a hot topic since the 60s. It's just kind of rephrased itself and, and, and moved it, uh, progressed, I'll use that word, uh, to, to its current form. Um, but the question today that we're going to try to answer in a sense is, as believers, as followers of Jesus, how do we deal with the, the gender-slash-sexual revolution that's going on today in the world? How do we deal with that in society? And then we'll move forward to how we deal with that inside the local church. How, how would we deal with that as pastors and, and also as lay people and, and how we would... Uh, uh, how we should approach this topic. Uh, but I want to begin with uh, a few verses of Scripture. Um, I always try to do this because I think we need to have a foundation for where we're beginning today. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right, so he says he, he created man in his image, in God's image. And then he kind of repeats that uh, in reverse, in the image of God, he created him. And then he says, specifically, male and female, he created them. So it seems to be in the very beginning, uh, when creation occurred, that God only had two genders. That was the way he created us. Um, that, that is the intent, uh, his express intent. Well, let's move forward a little bit. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So now it moves from he created male and female to uh, the first purpose for this happening is that these two would become one flesh. We, we know that today as marriage. Uh, we, we come together and then we join together. The Hebrew word for that is dode, uh, meaning two becoming one. Um, then we go uh, backwards a little bit to Genesis 128. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So now we see the next purpose for God creating us in this way, male and female, that we would come together, become one flesh, then we would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, there's some other things that says subdue it, have dominion over animals and those kinds of things. So for all of human history, although there have been sinful distortions along the way, the natural order of things with gender and sex has been the generally accepted norm. The natural order, God's created order, has generally been accepted as being the ultimate, the the one thing that is the normal that we should be doing. Um, And then all other things, even in Scripture, when when you hear, uh, when you read talk about uh, men and men and women and women together, it's always in a negative form. Uh, but we don't need to stop there as a church because all sexual immorality is a sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if we're married and, and, and you're cheating on your spouse with somebody else, uh, that's also a sexual sin. That's sexually immoral. And so we don't want to just stop there. Um, so I want to give you a, a couple of definitions, guys. The first one is cisgender. This is a term for people who identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. If the gender you were assigned fits who you are, you are cisgender. It is used to describe people who are not transgender. So specifically, as a male, we would be called a cis man. And if you're a woman, it would be cis woman. Uh, So, (laughs) it seems a little funny to me that what has been normally accepted for thousands of years uh, as being just, this is the natural order of things, now we are a spot on the spectrum. What do y'all think? I think even those verses you read in the beginning would be considered hate speech slash thought crimes Mm. in today's society. And... That ter- even the term, the cisgender that you just defined for us, and there's hundreds of them. I don't, there's like 86 different identifiers on it's, Facebook. There's I think. actually more now. Okay. They just yeah. keep 100 coming. was the, the highest I could find. So even with the terming of that, you almost have the idea that if you are cisgender, you are abnormal. Because look at all these other possibilities that are out there that you should and could be if you would open your mind to them. Um, so even, well, we, we can get into this later, but it's really just semantics when you get down to it. But Why do you think they created this term and this definition? I've, I've got a thought on it, but what do you, why do you think they had to put what we see in Scripture as being the norm? Why did they have to give us a definition like this? Well, it's like I was saying, you have to... The, and how you define things sets the narrative... Mm-hmm. And how you couch your arguments and, and gives everything, worth. Gives and worth. and by def- redefining these terms like that, the semantics of it, it casts the what was considered to be the normal as abnormal, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, or as one of many, one of options. many choices. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you guys go ahead. 
No, I mean, I, I think they're trying to, they had to put a definition on it to, uh, like I said, to put value in it to what people are thinking in their minds. So they're trying to, you know, say it's accepted because it is defined, therefore it has value. I think that's the main reason they're trying to define all of these different things. That's what I think. So would we agree around this table, Nate, I'll, I'll point at you a little bit. Okay. Would we agree around this table as believers, as followers of Jesus, would we agree, first off, that one man, one woman in a marital relationship is what God intended? Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then you are all cis-sexist. Right. Yes, there is a word that was created and a definition for that, too, for us, because it says this is the assumption that everybody is naturally cisgender, so not that it's only just the norm, but we we believe that naturally that was the way you were created anyway, meaning you were created male and female, Mm -hmm. and that it is somehow unusual, out of the norm, or deviant to identify as anything else. There you go. It's almost like they don't want you to touch their autonomy from God or something. Right. <laughs> so, so I was kind of setting you up a little bit because yeah. I knew what the next definition was going to say. Mm, that's um, not very nice. That's not very nice. I know. And I was calling y'all names on the podcast here. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but, and, and I, I did look it up to try to find how many genders are currently being recognized. Please fill me in. Um, yeah. <laughs> as far as a medical website goes, if you were to Google it, as far as a medical website, the highest I found was 78. Wow. All right. This is a medical website that's supposed to be giving you uh, medical advice. If you, you know, put information in there, say, you know, hey, I got a, a rash on my leg, looks like this, what is it sort of thing. And they're supposed to be giving you medical advice. Um, yet they said they're 78. There was another organization, I think it was called uh, uh, Great Scott or something. It was something Scott, S-C-O-T. Um, it had 100, all right? Hmm. But out of uh, multiple websites that I looked at that had these listed out, all of them have a little caveat at the very end. What would you think that would be? Et cetera. Etc. What would it be on a job description? To the unknown gods is what it's yeah. called. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> the, it, aren't they, that was quick. It, they add something. Quick. There's like another letter on the end of LBGTQ. LBGTQAIP+. Yeah. And then there's the number plus, two. Because there's more yes. coming. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. there it is. More, wow. more coming. Okay, so um, this list keeps growing and growing and growing. And it goes back to something that was mentioned earlier about definitions, okay? So we believe that in order for something to be, it has to have a definition of what it is. Like Matt Walsh was on a, you know, Dr. Phil's show and was talking okay. with uh, these people who claim to be non-binary, and he kept driving them back to the question, what is a woman? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't define that. Well, why can't you define that? Uh, well, because I'm not a woman, or at least I don't identify as a woman. Um, and so only people who identify as a woman can define what that means. But if you ask people, 
who identify as women, uh, such as I went and searched on the internet, I found out that rarely, (laughs) rarely do even any of those transgendered so-called females agree on what a woman is. Mm -hmm. There's no foundational definition for that. So I would say that even though we've got all of these new terms, all of these new meanings, there's still really no definition mm-hmm. for what gender is. To have a definition is to claim that there's some kind of objectivity to the world. Yeah, it's postmodernism. It, I mean, that's yeah. all it is. Like, the, your definition is okay, my definition is okay. Even if they contradict, it's mm-hmm. yours and mine, and they both hold value, even though they contradict. And so it's just outworkings of postmodernism and secular world. Yep. Absolutely. Another way that they would put it is your truth. Right. And that's why it's so yeah. hard. That's why it's so hard to have conversations with these people because it's like, like they should agree with me saying, you know, in what I'm saying, because it's my truth, but they mm-hmm. don't. Right. They, they'll rebut mm-hmm. that. And go, well, that's not right. Well, you just said your truth, your truth, my truth, my, but they don't like that because if it's in conflict with their subjectivity, that's well, what makes and that's it the thing that's so disruptive about the whole transgender movement is once you undermine language and basic definitions, we have nothing that we can agree upon. We we can't have a relationship if we aren't even speaking the same language. No. Um, I mean, I can if you think about somebody who's uh, speaking sign language or somebody who's speaking, you know, just a complete foreign language that you you don't. I mean, you're you're very limited in in where you can go and you're. Uh, dialogue with them and uh, and it's the same way we've with the transgender thing it's broke down language and meaning and definitions to the point to where it's just it's just utter futility Mm -hmm. Um, I don't because we don't even know what to call each other Um, and that could change from day to day depending on what I ate last night (laughs) and how I feel how I feel today yeah Yeah, absolutely Um, so so as we're looking at this topic I I want to address uh, the folks watching this whenever you watch it. If if you or somebody you know, somebody you care about, somebody you love, they're struggling with this issue. They're they're dealing with um, uh, gender identity, sexual preference, all of these different things. Um, We're not speaking about this in a way that we hate anyone, that we're bashing anyone, uh, that we think they're somehow beyond the, the grace and mercy of Christ, uh, because that's not the case. Um, we're speaking this way because we believe the Bible. And as far as we're concerned, and, and uh, we'll probably agree on most everything today, um, but as far as the, the way we have the foundations of our lives set up since we came to Christ, we're looking to the Bible for leadership and guidance and how to live our lives. And then I gave you the scriptures just a little while ago that that said, this is how God created us. So uh, today, and and I want to get this out there, today people are um, joining together gender and sexual preference in the same thing. All right, they're saying that these two coexist, so we have to give a definition for every single one of those. So if you're a born a woman, 
consider yourself a trans male, um, but you like other uh, women, you know, they feel like they have to put an identity onto that. I would say that God had already defined that in the very beginning because he told us what gender is, but also what our sexual preference should be because so that's how, the way we were created. So let me ask you this, and I, I just looked it up. How would you guys, and, and I pulled it up on psychology today, because this is, I mean, I've had these discussions with people. How would you guys define gender? Well, I can just back up and tell you where the discussion is probably going to go is they're going to say there's a difference between your sex and your gender. And, that's what and they're going to say right. sex is biological Gender is socially constructed, Correct. right? And because uh, society is always changing, therefore, our definitions and rules of what that is is always changing, right? So, so that's where the discussion is really going to go to. Yeah, because I've I've actually had people who have brought up, for example, a, a a young girl who is a tomboy. Well, she is the what she is doing is outside of the cultural norms, but we wouldn't say that's wrong you follow me like mm -hmm. if yeah. it, and it, it's it's saying you know if if a boy is more i don't know what you would feminine 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 but that but it doesn't mean that they're gay right right but it's it's outside of the social norms in which society has said this is the way a woman should dress act so forth and so on this is the way a guy should dress act and so forth and so on and so if if, if they they get outside of that at all um then then we would say they're wrong, but I don't think so. So that's where I think it gets it gets really in that gray area, I think, because, uh, I mean, now if, if the tomboy says, well, I'm a boy, I'm a man, well, that's, that's, that's going into sexual preference. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to gender in itself, if they go outside of what we would consider cultural norms, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so it goes back to Scripture, as you just said, what would you say, what would you guys say would be the biblical norms for men and women? Where it comes to dress, where it comes to actions, how, how, how would you guys biblically define gender roles in Scripture? Because I'm not going to lie. I've had this discussion. When somebody comes out and says, when they go sexual preference, that's a whole different ballgame. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to biblical norms mm -hmm. for for each gender, that's that is something yeah. that I've had to wrestle with, and I know that's that's a step before that. But how would well, how you're would we crossing over it? into biblical uh, manhood, masculinity, and femininity is what you're crossing over into there which is a, a huge topic on its own for right. that matter. And those are clearly um, defined in several scriptures, you know, like Proverbs 31 is kind of the go-to on yep. the biblical womanhood, or, um, you know, you could go to Ephesians 5 where Paul, Paul lays out the distinctions uh, for husbands and wives. Yep. First, uh, First Peter, Peter 3, yeah. um, obviously the creation narrative that you just cited, Ray, um, right. spells out in general, male and female, um, and then, of course, you have the whole body of Old Testament, New Testament. You can do character studies on yeah. on that. Again, a lot of that is is culturally it based. Is. It is right because we're especially dealing, with dress. We're today. dealing with the ethnic 
people group, the Jewish mm-hmm. people, Middle Eastern customs, those kinds of things. But setting all that aside, you can nail it down to um, a general set of timeless principles that say, hey, this is what womanhood is. This is what manhood is. So, for example, I mean, I'm just, I'm not playing devil's advocate. I just, I've had this stuff bought to me. So, our IFB friends, <laughs> women can't wear pants. That's outside. You may of, need to define IFB for some of our. Yeah, ideas. our independent, independent fundamental Baptists, right? They would say <laughs> women can't wear pants. They have to wear dresses, right? Mm-hmm. So, they're, they're holding a more strict view where we would say it's okay for a woman to wear jeans. Mm-hmm. But what would... We'll see, the, yeah, bibli- yeah. the biblical norm, Men, m- even men were not wearing pants. Right. The, the way... <laughs> Pull the, your skirt up and be a man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, yeah I, I mean, really, you right. know, gird up your loins. Yeah. I mean, it's like pull your skirt up and tie that thing <laughs> yeah. tight. Yeah, uh, yeah. as long as, long yeah. as, the, as, long as the, the dress um, that your culture is employing, as long as that dress is modest and is, it's, dis, it's distinguishing between male and female, it, it's not blending the lines, mm-hmm. you have more of a, you have an easier discussion. So when you say blending the lines, what is that? For example, like my, my wife wears jeans, I wear jeans. Mm-hmm. My wife wears t-shirts. I wear t-shirts. Are you wearing ish, your wife's jeans? Ish, yeah. <laughs> Who's really wearing the um, pants? Is, uh, is your wife in that scenario? Is she trying to usurp your authority or try, trying to make herself out to be intentionally um, deceptive? Yeah, or intentionally like, like right. Intentionally, but that's she trying. To but that's you? more from a yeah. what they would say is cultural norms is dealing with that, but also mm-hmm. dress and things of that nature. Like mm-hmm. if a man's walking down the street wearing a dress, we would say you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Based mm-hmm. on what? But depending on where he's from, if he's wearing a kilt, isn't it almost the same? But, thing? but if you want, I mean, it's like that's a yeah. cultural so like, yeah, accepted. So, yeah. So like, well, well, what, what, what is the common? What's the common understanding from the culture? Yeah. Let's say ten years ago, right. but now it's a bit different. Well, if you're walking down the road wearing a dress and it it looks frilly, it's pink even. Dare I say? Then you're gonna you're gonna come across as you're not being you're not being masculine. You are you're becoming effeminate. But and is, you're having issues. But is that. that cultural or is that biblical? Whenever, whenever your, whenever your dress is going against a, uh, as far as I know, so don't, don't, don't be, be very, I'm being very careful here. Um, if you are not purposely, so it, um, I, I believe it, it would go back to um, what scripture uh, refers to as head coverings and keep and men keeping their hair shorter. It's not necessarily you have to keep it three inches or you're in sin or you have to wear you have to wear this much head covering or you're in sin. But those um, those type of cultural denominators that are distinguishing between men, men and men and women, if you're blurring those lines, you're not being helpful to your neighbor. You're not being a good witness. Yeah. You're it's not First Corinthians, you. right, where Paul is dealing right. with that right. issue. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, with and I, th- I think that word distinguishing mm-hmm. and it has, is very important. Yeah, and it has to do, yeah. if you read Paul's whole argument there, it has to be do with the creation order mm-hmm. that God has a role and a purpose for male and female and there are different by design. They fulfill different roles. There, mm-hmm. That's not an issue of one's inferior and one's superior. It's mm-hmm. um, they are created different to not be contradictory, but complementary to each other. Yes. Right. And helping to make those distinctions because God is a God of order. Mm-hmm. So you, that's what his I whole think, argument and is. And I think in intent, I think intent is a huge part of this. Sure. All right. Mm-hmm. So. For instance, uh, you know, I've known people that uh, they had a daughter who 
very much wanted to be a boy. She was a teenager. Um, when she went to a department store to get clothes, she didn't go to the girls' department. Mm-hmm. She went to the, the men's department. Mm-hmm. Now, most people don't think about it. And, of course, we know we've got women's jeans and, and men's jeans, but most people don't think about it. They're even made differently. Um, men, men's jeans are made with a little bit more space in the front. Women's jeans are made with a little bit more space in the back. Uh, that whole hip thigh area is just different between the two. Um, and so she would dress completely from there. She would cut her hair so that it looked culturally like, uh, your haircut almost. Mm. Uh, and, and when you looked at her and then you, you heard her speak and you, you saw how she lived her life, there, there was intentionality behind Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You could tell that she was intentionally trying to be the opposite of who she was created to be by God in that sense. Um, and, and so intentionally, the intent of the heart, I think, is is not the thing that we can see in some cases. Okay, so, so, so yeah. if this girl, right, if she was a born-again believer and was married, would she be in sin by what she dressed? It would. It would go. Wouldn't that go back to the intent once again? Like if if she's if she's doing what she's doing and she's explicitly trying to go against what she understands Scripture says, then yes, that would be sin. But if uh, if what she's doing is not inhibiting any other people, it's not causing other people to stumble, and she's not doing it out of sin, th- that would that would I th- I think that'd be a pastoral thing you need to talk about. Yeah, because for me personally, I don't think she would be if she was married. She was a believer. She just like a short haircut, and I mean, I know godly women with short haircuts. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, so, but like, and that's there what it goes saying. back to the intent, right? And so yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like we can look at the outside, like, it, like for example, if a man like like bringing up the guy walking downtown asked for wearing a dress, right? Mm-hmm. Was that sin? I think what we're basic, and I see what everybody's saying, and I would agree for the most part. But what I'm saying is, is we're, we blur the lines when it comes to cultural norms and biblical norms, because I think, like you said, the head coverings, the short hair, the long hair debates, right? And and again, not to pick on, I'm not picking on our IFB brothers, but they would yeah. raise the, you know, a guy with a long hair. Well, he's sinning. Where I don't think we would, or maybe some of you would, but I I don't think I would. So I think it's one of those things where. If we're not careful, we can blend cultural norms, what we we perceive as a cultural norm, and a biblical mandate. But I do agree. You know, if this girl was like, "I'm a man," uh, I, I'm I'm a yeah. She was very intentional right. about this. Then, is then who, that is you know, that be. is the misuse of purpose, which is sin. yeah. So mm-hmm. sorry yeah. to yeah playing devil's advocate. It's just no, that's okay. That yeah. Thought through. <laughs> These are the that's things important. that we need to talk about, and 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 look. Many of us sitting at this table, we don't know the ins and outs of this on a personal level necessarily. I'm not coming to you because I've dealt with that with my children or or, or something, and so uh, I, I'm trying to to come to it from a biblical standpoint, from a godly standpoint. How did God create us? And I I even think that when you go back to Corinthians and 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 even in the Old Testament where it's it's discussing dress and how men and women are supposed to be, I think it still goes down to the intentionality. It goes to the heart. 
if somebody is intentionally trying to not look like the gender that they were created to be, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm created a man. Mm-hmm. If I intentionally move forward in a way where I'm trying to look like the opposite sex, that's my intention with how I dress, how I act, all those kinds of things. I think that's where we get down to, and we've got to boil it down to what is the heart? What is the intention of the heart? So would we agree? I like I'd, I agree the intent is the sin, but I think the dress itself would not be. And the reason I said, like, because I... <laughs> Unless the dress was the intention. So, well, and, and right. that's my... But yes. it still goes I back mean, to the intent. Yeah, yeah well, it still goes like, back to the like, intent. But what, what yes. if you're going at it with, um, with, as far as anyone can tell, a very honest, righteous uh, intent... But it's still causing other people to stumble. Well, for example, I, I, this is what I was just thinking about this years ago. The the Gaithers come okay. to oh. the, come to the Civic Center, okay? okay. And my dad sang Southern Gospel for years, and so me and my family went up there. And there was a church protesting the Gaithers there, and their signs was basically stating that if if a woman was wearing pants, that she was a homosexual. And they were listing they were oh. listing scripture. And it was always funny because it, it, it was about cutting hair and pants, you know, dress or whatever. But then they they stopped short of the bells and tassels that make sure you're wearing bells oh, and tassels. Yeah. And so I confronted them and I said, "Where's your <laughs> bells and tassels?" But but wow. what I'm saying is is like what, that line is so. It, I think it's it's hard. I mean, it it, I just think it's hard. But I do agree that the sin is the intent of the heart. Right. You know what's fascinating, guys, is that. Five years ago, ten years ago, we would not even be having this discussion. And right. yet, look at how far our world has gone in this direction yeah. and how quickly yes. the world has changed to where we're having to have the most basic conversations <laughs> with our kids about what does it mean to be a boy, what does it mean to be a girl, things that I never even, this things like this never even entered my mind as a kid. Let me ask you all this. And yet, here we are having to discuss Have you? Things. Have you had to have a conversation with your kids about what a boy is and what a girl is? Well, my kids are still pretty young. They're like my girls. It's not even on the. It's not like I'm having to sit them down and be so like. So we've I, had very, very elementary, very basic. Like, <laughs> why does mommy do this? Why does daddy do this? You know, kinds of things. I think one time my son saw on the news like something about gay marriage, and there were two men that were. <laughs> embracing and mm. he recognized that that was not what what not was normal. normal to his upbringing and uh, we had to explain that to him but nothing beyond right. just real yeah. innocent type right yeah, no I, I i don't know about y'all but um uh, uh, right now my, um <laughs> of i i have actually been training my my kiddo to do that i'll, I'll go down to my wife's belly and i'll say sayla you're going to wear a lot of pink whenever you're born. <laughs> yeah. Get ready for that. Yeah. You're going to love it. Well, you know, here's the thing. You're talking about five or ten years ago. Um, ten years ago, out of all that, that was known at that point, less than 1% of the United States would have said that they fell into any of these categories outside of mm-hmm. just male and female. Mm-hmm. We're talking less about just a minuscule fraction of yes. Yes. people. Um, and and so now that number is multiplying mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Some some say it's ten percent as much right now, um, and and even some say it's more than that, mm-hmm. depending on who you're looking at and who you're asking. 
Um, you think a lot of that is because they've changed the medical definitions a lot? Or, I, because... This is going to sound weird, but I personally, and I've thought about this a lot. You're a little bit older, but you were in that time period. And you could disagree with me. But I think this transgender stuff is a fad. Is the new Manson stuff. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because Marilyn Manson, back in my high school days, you know, the kids would dress on black because they wanted to rebel. This was their sign of rebe- in grunge days, the Nirvana days. We're gonna we're not gonna take a shower. We're gonna stink. This is our rebellion. Flannel. I just think yeah, exactly. I just think that this is that in it's, our society. It's our generation's yeah. Woodstock. I really Flannel. believe that it is. Flannel is rebellion. <laughs> in the early nineties, well, man. Nirvana, man. I, I was the, born the whole in grunge two zero zero zero. Yeah, I was okay. gonna say you're way too young. Go back to, to YouTube, watch some Nirvana, some Soundgarden, yeah. some Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. some just, man, just I could wow. Keep just look at the look, uh, look at the look of the band members. What are they saying? Not only in their music, but outside of their music. Look at interviews and and things like that. So that's and, an interesting point, it. Adam. You you would tend toward it's it's a fad, it's a trend, it's it's going to come and go, and then in the next generation, it will be something else. I do because when you look at and I I don't have it in front of me because um, it's been like a year since I've had a discussion like this, but when you look at it, like these kids, it, I forgot the I forgot what the wording is. But these kids who are quote unquote, I'm a I'm a guy or I'm a girl and you know, they're transgender or I'm this or whatever, that at a certain point that it's like, yeah, that was kind of dumb. Yeah. I, I can tell they you. They get hit I in the face you. with reality. It, yeah. yeah. One 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 uh one website said it's ninety two percent of children and teenagers that say that they are falling somewhere on the spectrum outside of male, female, as God intended. Mm-hmm. Right. That 90, I think it was 92% of them go away from that by the time they hit adulthood. You know, 92% e, of that. I.E. grunge. I.E. Yeah. grunge. Like like, and I've also read yeah. where um, this group, the transgender group, has the highest suicide rate mm-hmm. of all yes. of society, mm-hmm. more than any other age group or... Right ethnic group or whatever they have the highest and i i can't remember the exact percentage but oh, it's, it's like it's pretty astronomical yeah. and and so my thoughts and and these are just my thoughts my thoughts are my opinion i guess you could say my opinion on why it's growing the way it is yes it's because of media social media news billboards i mean er- everything else it's constantly including these things making it more normative uh, across the world I think that's definitely part of it. Um, but even more so, I think that it's parents buying into this. Sure. And so you've got that kid. They start that, the discussion with their kid. They, yeah, they start the discussion with their kid. And see, I, I go back to when my sons were born, and I can remember we would go out shopping for them, either for toys or, or clothes. And so we would go out on this, uh, this you know, excursion and my wife would pick up something and and it would be in the boys section but I'd take one look at it I'm like yeah no that that ain't happening and my wife would like are you sure I mean it I mean it's kind of neutral I was like yeah okay it's neutral to me it looks like it's a little beyond neutral um we're gonna stick with what's going you know because I'm the parent Mm -hmm. I'm I'm the father Mm -hmm. Um, she's the mother. If we had girls, it would be the exact opposite in this case. It's our responsibility 
to teach them. Now, I'm not saying that just because they wear a, a, a little bit of pink on a shirt or something. I mean, I'm a grown man, you know, fully secure in my my uh, heterosexualness, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But my wife uh, looked at me one time and said, hey, try this shirt on. It was pink. And she was like, man, I like pink on you. So, man, I went out and bought a pink shirt, you know. You too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Um, and Adam's like, goodness. Adam's like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a man. I'm a, yeah. Well, here's something to throw in with what you were saying, Adam, about um, the it being a trend or a fad. So, society, especially if you read Romans one and you and you understand the flow of that pulled up. of how culture works, we have it's like the pull of gravity, the downward pull, mm-hmm. and, and you guys can answer this very easily. But in Romans one, do we evolve or do we devolve? Right. Mm-hmm. So if you trace this out historically, all right, let's go back to the 50s. What was rebellion then? It was like the greaser look, Elvis, Elvis look. Okay, you go to 60s. Shaking you get, his hips. You get Woodstock generation. Free peace, love, peace, love, sexual and, revolution yes. even then. yeah. And then in the 70s, you get dr- more drug culture, disco, right. and, it, and it devolves to grunge in the 90s. And then now it's the cutting-edge thing was um, – coming out of the closet and now we've taken it a step further to transgenderism so as you as you trace this we're following we're tracking right along with romans one getting more and more foolish more and more depraved and dark so the question further and further away from the truth even though it may be a trend what this shows us is that the next thing that's coming is even going to be more radical more crazy more depraved. Well, I mean, what's next? Yeah. Pedophilia well, or we're not animals? Gonna, or I mean, that, that pedophilia actually is gaining a lot of traction oh, yeah. and being like, well, yeah, not to not to I get saw off, something about that. Not to day. get off track, yeah. and I'm not going to get off track. But what you're talking about, it's not just transgenderism. There's trans racism. There's trans speciesism. Oh, like yeah. there's people who's like, trans, I'm a dog. Yeah. And since Ben's not here, I'll mention it. Transhumanism. And, right. And oh yeah. We've talked metaverse. a lot about oh, that. Yeah. So, yeah. But I don't want to get off. But there's. But, but that's but the you, stuff. You're, that's you're right, and it's moving. And and you were right, Nate, that um, uh, pedophilia and things like that is growing. Bestiality is growing. Um, it, it just came out that Hugh Hefner. Um, According to some of the women that were in the mansion there with him, even married to him, um, said that he was very much into bestiality. Like they they walked in on him with a dog and they had, uh, you know, a woman doing something with with an animal. And and so that was even the case there. I mean, what do you expect when you're in such a sexually immoral mm-hmm. culture? Well, anyway, to, you're, you're going to go even further. You've got yeah, you've got to find yeah. a new high. You got to find a new high. Just like yeah, just Solomon. like the crack addict. But or see the now, yeah. Solomon was that way. Yeah. Solomon's like I have not withheld any pleasure. Right, and he had issues. Yeah, so did Hefner. But that whole born this way, and 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 I would all, all kind of push on that a little bit. That whole born this way thing, too, has taken it a, another step higher when it comes to these things like pedophilia and bestiality and all, because they say, this is who I am. This was how I was created. I've always had a, an attraction to animals or XYZ. whatever it is. And and so it gets to the point, because you're, you're saying it with everything else, that you can't tell me that who I am is wrong because this is my truth. This mm-hmm. is who I am. This is yeah. how I feel. 
Um, and so now it's it, pedophilia. It's it's it, there's a huge push. As a matter of fact, I even heard that there was a, a congressman not too long ago that was uh, supporting some kind of bill. You know that was going to say, well, you know, because you know if it's consensual and you know all this kind of stuff with with children. I'm like, this is just crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. but when you keep moving forward with this idea that there there are no boundaries. There's nothing stopping us from going further and further and further. Um, and if you come against us, mm-hmm. then then we're going to blast you with everything we have. We're going to put all of our money, you know, going We've against you. We've already probably been canceled. Do... We probably are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, Facebook's no, no, probably no, got a warning up on there <laughs> somewhere. The algorithm uh, called right. us long ago. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we can go on and on and, and, and talk about this. But let's move to the next stage of this. So as believers, as followers of Christ, and I'm not talking about as, as the local church necessarily, even though we're a part of the local church, but as believers in society, what is, our, um, what is the requirement for us, or what should we do in society? How should we... Uh, battle this, if you want to kind of look at it that way, since we're supposed to battle sin anyway, how are we supposed to do that in society? How do we deal with that in society? So the discussions that I've had with different people, um, one of the things that I've learned, and I know people are going to be like, oh my gosh, like, um, you know, I could read scripture to them and they'll say, okay, I don't believe that. I mean, so... It's not to say that it's not true, but what I've learned is, is that if I promote what's best for society, which is God's word, the, the, when you look at, uh, every, really every stat that is out there from a sociological standpoint, the best thing for society is one man with one woman, that family unit, that is what is best for society. That cannot be debated. Sure. You can have some hobbies on the side. You know, you can, you can have, you know, men with men over here, women, you know, whatever you can have all these different types of relationships on the side, but the foundation of society is that man and woman and that family. No. Yeah. You're right. The the only reason that those kinds of homosexual um, relationships can even happen and continue on is because of the foundation of the, of the nuclear family of the way the Bible sets it out. And when you You mean the cisgender, yeah. People. And I mean right. the OG, <laughs> the original you're, you're, OG. family, and it's true. Though, but you're right. You're but, right. But you look at, yeah. but when you look at poverty, mm-hmm. when you look at all of these, uh, the jail, when you look at all of the statistics, you know, man, woman together for life with a family mm-hmm. is the best thing for society. So if you want to be a rebel today, get married. Get a job, have kids, raise them in church, raise them in a Baptist it, church. It, it truly is. There you go. Careful. Because because when because like people's like when people's like, well, so you are, are you are you? And this is what I've always come to. Like, are you? So you're saying you're against all this stuff? I said I don't even care about all that stuff. That's like hobbies. I'm saying I am for the nuclear family. That's even within the church. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the statistics for divorce is the same in church as it is outside the church. That is a problem. Because we're not we're not saying we fully support the foundation of society, and I think mm-hmm. that's an area that that from an argumentation standpoint, I found to be more successful than trying to say, well, the Bible says that's wrong. 
well, yeah, that's wrong. But they said, I don't care. <laughs> you know, they 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 don't care. Um, they've, well, they've a, exchanged the truth for a lie. For a lie, yeah. And so there's, you know, yeah. I go to what is the best course for society. Yeah. And as you said, gay people have to come from that. They have to, right? So, you know, I, I hate when people do that. But if you put them all on different islands, well, there's one that's going to be around in 100 years and ones that won't be. The only reason so. you're here is because there was a mama and a daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and you could go back to the scripture that I read earlier, be fruitful and multiply. That Amen. was that was the purpose for the natural creation the way it was, mm-hmm. one male, one female, together, joined together as one flesh to do those things that God uh, called us to do. And no matter what, you know, like uh, a few years back, and it was on the cover of a magazine, you know, here's the... Uh, what was it? Here's the first man to give birth to a baby. <laughs> and, and oh, wow. you know, when, when you read the article, now you're, that's the, the headline on the outside, but when you read the article, of course, this was a woman who was transitioning to a male um, but still had the reproductive organs and was able to get pregnant. And so because she identified as a, a man, then culture just kind of grabbed onto it and said, oh, well, here's the first man to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, even right now, uh, commercials on TV, you think about it, uh, uh, you know, it, it'll make this statement uh, uh, for those uh, assigned, you know, gender at mm-hmm. birth, you know, whatever gender that is. For those of you assigned this at birth, uh, you you might not want to do this. There was an article not just a few weeks ago about uh, somebody saying uh, transgendered transgendered females are are females in every way, including they get a menstrual cycle. Yes, men can get pregnant now. Yeah, yeah, we're living so, living in that kind of right, society. and so they can even have a menstrual cycle. So once a month. They get grumpy. They they wake up and and for whatever reason they ro- woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and now that's because they've got their monthly menstrual cycle. So let's let's piggyback yeah. off what Adam was talking about with uh, doing what is best for society. Yes. Um. So if we go along with the cultural narrative and accept the transgender pronouns and all of that, is that really best for society? Look, if we help them participate in a delusion, right? No. Because basically that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We are I'm telling them that, well, no, all of reality is going to realign itself around your version of the truth. Mm-hmm. Right? That doesn't work in any area of life at all. So in terms of what is best for society, I think, from a gospel standpoint, if we're trying to share the truth with somebody, we just have to basically put our foot down and say, look, I know that you think that you are this, but this is what you really are. Because otherwise, we're not being loving. and yeah. We can't be loving. This is who God created you to, to be. share the truth to them, the, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly that. And then what Adam was saying of, um, uh, they you, you present scripture to them and they don't, and they're like, they're not phased by it because I don't believe that. Okay, I love you enough to tell you that what you don't believe is going to bite you if you don't follow this. And the the, the way to actually affect culture and to uh, help people understand this, 
is through the gospel. So we have to preach that because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is what will will rejuvenate, redeem the culture. Mm -hmm. The gospel is the only thing that can do that. So we need to preach. Well, the sad reality, and I've talked to a lot of these types of people, Sad reality. The sad reality is, is that's where they find their identity mm-hmm. and their value, mm-hmm. and and that's the part of it that that's why the transgender people, you know, if they have the the uh, surgery, you know, that the suicide goes even higher, right. mm-hmm. because in their mind, if I do this, then I will increase my value, and then they realize there is no value apart. I mean, they're not going to say that, but there is no value apart from God. So I I recently read a testimony of a lady. It was actually in, I believe it was last year's uh, October edition of Decision Magazine, which is put out by the Billy Graham Evangelist Association. There was a story in there about a lady who um, was transitioning to a man, and she I was in Washington State somewhere. I cannot remember the name of the lady. It was was an interesting article. She ended up joining a church. She, he, and anyway, the she, he came under conviction, and they admitted to the pastor, I've been living a lie, and repented of that whole lifestyle and was getting ready to go through with the reassignment surgery and everything, and then was saved out of that, redeemed out of that, and then now has a ministry where, the, the it's a lady she's trying to reach people in that community awesome. so um you never really hear about that in terms of the broad culture but there are uh, people who go through that journey find it's bankrupt in every way and they're gloriously saved out of that and then realize hey this is now my ministry to go and mm-hmm. and and redeem folks out, out of that right yeah you know at one point um in in psychology magazines and psychiatry magazines uh, or or journals, medical journals, uh, they used to say that people who were dealing with struggles with their their gender identity and things like that, it was called gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. and so it was a mental defect is is the way they looked at it. It was it was something that literally was wrong. They have since removed that and said that that's not the case. From almost every one of those journals, those magazines, they've removed that, and that's no longer the case. As a matter of fact, many of those same uh, psychiatrists who years ago would have said, you know, hey, you, you, you've got some mental issues are, are now affirming them in, in what they're doing. Um, and, and so I would say... Um, it, it, there's something that's missing there that they're searching for. You're, you're talking about this identity, struggling with their identity. They're, they're searching for that thing, but they don't know what that thing is. And, and because of some, you know, maybe just the way that they have grown up, the people they were around, uh, a feeling that they had at a moment, whatever it may be, they, they tend to say, oh, well, for the moment that felt good let me try that out. And, and then they try it out and they get kind of in a way sucked into it. Mm-hmm. The next thing, you know, they're still feeling that there's something missing. And so in order for me to feel like I'm whole, I have to become this other person. And so, you know, if it's a, a female, let me cut my breast off and do other things. Or if it's a, a male, you know, the same thing with, with genitalia and other things. Um, the hormone treatments and everything else. 
when it's all said and done, the thing that they were looking for was not that. They're still not fulfilled, and I think that's a big reason why the suicide rate is so high. Now, it will be made to sound, and has been made to sound, as though the reason why that rate is so high is because society doesn't accept them, um, either there were bullies along the Bully, way, yeah. and, and things like that. Uh, but I would think it's a much deeper personal issue that they're they're struggling with, and ultimately all of us have uh what has it been said before we've we've got this uh, god-shaped hole in our soul in our in our spirit within us um we're we're created for fellowship with god that was the way we were created in the beginning with adam and eve in the, in the garden of eden uh that he would walk with them in the cool of the day we have conversations together with god and then that was broken and ever since that point, we've been striving and searching to fill that void. We know there's something missing. We're just not quite sure what it is. I went down the line trying to fill it with, you know, drugs, alcohol, and girls. That's, that's the road I went down. And none of those filled that hole. None of those filled that void within me. And, and so... At, I think a lot of what we can do in society in dealing with these issues is on a personal level, first off, one-to-one many times, if we're given the opportunity to have discussions and and real discussions with love, with care, with grace, with mercy. Um, Too many times we see Christians shouting and, and holding up the signs, you know, saying, you know, once upon a time it was faggots go to hell, you know, sort of thing with the, uh, what was the church? Yeah. That is the wrong way. And, and, and we need to understand that that is a wrong way to deal with any of this. It all needs to be done with love, grace, and mercy. Cause the, the goal is ultimately the salvation of souls. Mm-hmm. And once salvation happens, we begin to understand who God really created us to be. We begin on that real path of what God wanted us to be from the very beginning. Uh, so as we're looking at society, though, I want to ask y'all a question. You know, has this gender slash sexual revolution, has it caused some major damage in some areas? And uh, so I'm going to point out one in particular, and that's with sports. I'm I'm a big sports guy. I love sports. I've always been connected to to multiple sports, either playing it or coaching it. Uh, and, and my son's playing sports and all that kind of stuff. So right now, hot in the news, is Leah Thomas. Um, used to swim on the men's team at the University of Pennsylvania. She owns the best marks in the nation among college swimmers in the 200 and 500 freestyle. All right. So Leah Thomas uh, is a male, born male, born with male genitalia, was a swimmer as a male in college, um, chose to begin the process to transition to a female and calls himself Leah now. Um and, and now here we are two, two and a half years later, 
he's swimming for a girls' swim team in college, and he's, you know, as they say today, he's he's beating the brakes off of everybody, you know, going back uh, because he's yeah in the college. Yeah, he 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 was in college, um, swimming, competing as a male. As a matter of fact, I think he was um, second in, oh. as far as the males on the team at that point. And then he stepped away during the 2020 season. Okay, so he got like a red shirt. Yeah, like a red shirt type year, wanted to hold on to it in the master's program uh, or something like that. And so then when he comes back, he's he's been in this transitioning process, taking the hormones, all that kind of stuff. He comes back as uh, identifying as a woman, changes his name. He's accepted onto a woman's swim team, and and now is is beating everybody out there. And so, the one of the questions that I had on, on a personal level was, how do women feel about this? And you know, I can't ask y'all this question. How do women feel about this particular issue? Because if you think about it. If a male, you know, so-called transitions to a female in sports where physically males are stronger generally, uh, they're built differently. Um, and, and so in the uh, sports world, for the most part, they are going to be bigger, faster, stronger sort of thing. Uh, and now they're transitioning to a female competing against females um, and it seems as though they're really coming out on top everywhere they, they go in sports. So I want to give you this from Swimming World magazine, dealing with uh, Leah Thomas. It says, Now imagine if all schools were only responsible for sponsoring one sports team and they put their best students, regardless of gender, on that team. How many girls and women would make it? For sure, millions of girls and women would lose out on the educational experience that participation in sports provides. Uh, By the way, they would also lose some scholarships and things that go along with that. An experience which is also linked to economic success and lifelong health. Trans women, here's kind of a, a, a little switch here. It says, trans women should compete with biological women so long as they can demonstrate that they have lost their sex-linked male puberty advantage prior to competition in the women's category. Uh, So my first question there would be, how in the world do we determine that? Uh, Because there was a lady on TV yesterday on the news who was talking about this very issue and said trans women do not need to be competing in women's sports. She said no matter how many hormones you take, there are still legacy traits that they can't get rid of, uh, larger bone mass, uh, larger muscle mass, uh, lung capacity, and some other things that go along with that. There's things that will not degrade through this process. All right, so let me go on. Uh, it says Leah Thomas cannot make that demonstration, can't show that they've lost, uh, that, that he's lost this, this stuff. While she, they call she, while she has apparently been complying with NCAA rules requiring hormone therapy for over two and a half years now, she is still competing with an unfair advantage. How do we know Leah Thomas's performances aren't fair? 
The average differential in the men's and women's A standard times for NCAA championship qualification is 11.41%, meaning the women's times are 11% slower than the men's qualification times. Average across the board, 11% slower. About the same differential occurs if you're looking at almost any group of swimming records or qualification times between men and women, including regional or USA swimming uh, qualification times. American records, world records, NCAA records, all those things. The gaps between men and women are generally larger in the sprints than they are in the long-distance events. So how big is that 11% advantage in swimming times for male swimmers? Enormous. To put it in perspective, now listen to this. Michael Phelps, the most decorated swimmer in the world. Olympic superstar Michael Phelps held just a 0.08% of an advantage over his U.S. teammate and rival N. Crocker in the 100 Butterfly in the 2004 Olympics. But Phelps held a 12.62% advantage over the women's gold medalist, Australian Petria Thomas. Phelps's advantage over women equates to over 150 times more than the advantage that Phelps had over his male competitors. If he had that same advantage over his male competitors, he would have swam 6.47 seconds faster than he did to win the gold, or at a time of 44.78 seconds. Meanwhile, the gap between first and eighth in the men's Olympic final was a tiny gap of just 1.31 seconds. Leah Thomas, however, is not 11% slower. She's been hormone therapy two and a half years. Leah Thomas is not 11% slower. She is only 2.6% slower than she was pre-transition in the 200-yard freestyle and just 5.76% slower in the 500-yard freestyle. It says that is not mitigation. It is not fair. All right, so... Based off the statistics, mm-hmm. is this damaging women's sports? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's just, it's silly. I mean, that's the only way I can put it. it it's just, I, I read an article similar. This was about a cyclist, a man who was like in the in some cycling tour and was in the bottom third of the men. And he said, I'm a woman. And went and won the next stage, and nothing was different. He just said, I was a woman and won. Um, it's just, to me, I think this is, and I could be completely wrong, but I think this is where it'll hit a rock wall. I, I, I can't see, because the feminists are going to be fighting these people. Yeah, that's, that's an and this interesting is sw- thing, isn't it? And this it? is Swimming World magazine. Right. That represents a yeah. lot of women, of course, and as you, well. And as you men. mentioned in the beginning of that article how that if this trend continues with the uh, trans transgender athletes, that it takes away scholarship opportunities and and the ultimate economic success that of, comes along with women. being a part so of sports. So what this is going to do is it's going to pit two groups that would normally be bedfellows in kind of like the whole liberal side arguing usually for the same things, but it's going to pit them against each other. So you're going to have like the women's lib movement versus the transgender movement. All right. Well, (laughs) that's an interesting fight. Who's going to win that one? Uh, Because you can't have it both ways. No. Right. right? If, If you have the transgender revolution, 
you will destroy women's sports as we've already been so clearly documented. Um, and so, like Adam said, it's it's going to undermine its own premise, and yeah. and basically it's going to be self defeating. Which in which the whole lifestyle in and of itself is self defeating. Yeah. Do you think that this is a step, Nate, possibly, to try to? I'm gonna put him on the spot to try to move to the point where there are no more gender differences in sports. Do you think that maybe this is a trans, to, to use the word, a transition point to try to get in there to do away with the separate? This is swimming, right? This no, particular kidding. one is, <laughs> yes, but I'm going to give you another example from another oh, totally different sport. Um, um, so you, you're, you're wondering if this, is a, um, if this is a step in the direction of just nullifying any kind of distinction. Um, sort of a, a secular, there's no male nor female type thing. Yeah, if this is accepted, if this becomes accepted, that trans athletes can now jump across no matter where they want to go, is there a reason to have the differences in in sports? Is there a difference to have men's and women's sports? Or do we ultimately have to maybe come up with a different category for trans athletes or something, you know? What do you think? Very personally, uh, if 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 we advocate for having a separate section for people who claim to be transgender or anywhere on that that supposed spectrum, if we do that, we are um, we are as we said at the beginning of this, we're normalizing that particular lifestyle that is in blatant contradiction to scripture. So us as Christians, primarily Christians, as as we're engaging with the culture and with the world. We, uh, I don't think we should be advocating for having a separate, a separate section for them. I think we should be advocating for defending women in a biblical sense. Of you have, you have some abilities here. Let's let let's let's pit you up with people of, of equal of equal ability and see who's better, and not try to advocate for sinful lifestyles to have their own space on the table. You know, I'm I'm curious. I'm just sitting here thinking, and I can't, and I'm I'm sure it's out there, but. It only goes one way with these things. Like I, I don't think I've ever heard of a woman that's transitioning to a man trying to compete in like the NBA. Mm-hmm. You don't. I and I was just thinking because I love Formula One racing, and there was a there's actually a uh, a women's class Formula One, and it raced when I went to Texas this year. They raced, and there was this big discussion about why can't a woman break through in F1, which they could. I mean, the same with NASCAR. I mean, you've had women drive NASCAR and things of that nature. But what's what's interesting is they say the reason is is because physically they can't. Like a Formula One car in particular, like the way the muscles and things mm-hmm. are, that they physically could not. They might could do it for like 10 laps, mm-hmm. but that was one of the big knocks on Danica Patrick, and that's, you know, that she wasn't strong enough physically to endure it. Formula but you one just, racing is sexist confirmed. Yeah. There but you, go. but again, you don't see go. a woman trying to transition. I mean, there's been women that have like Annika Sorenstein. I just thought of her. She competed in a men's golf tournament, mm-hmm. but what did they do? They moved her forward, mm-hmm. you know, to, to make it equal. So, I mean, that would be the only way I could see right. like with swimming. So, so you're making concessions. Yeah. yeah. Even though they're competing, you're making concessions. Yeah. It's almost like drag racing. You know, they give them a head start. Yeah. It's kind of the similar. I think ultimately oh, what I'm it's so going to come sorry. down to is money. 
money. Yeah, because all of the professional sports industries are there to make money. That's what it's all mm. about. Mm-hmm. It's money and entertainment. Yeah. And when the transgender things be- begins to interfere with the bottom line, the profit margins mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. NBA or whatever, uh, that's when it, it will it will be mm-hmm. put out to pasture because yeah. ultimately yeah. that's what they're there for. It's a business. They're producing a product that they want people to consume. And I think some of the professional sports have I kind of already got the message on some of the wokeness. Like they've toned it down a little bit, especially NFL. Oh. They, they really toned it down a lot uh, because they were losing viewership and they were losing money. And um, so I think, I think that's a big deciding factor. Yeah. And the NBA keeps pressing into it. Yeah. And they keep losing money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to give you one more example because I think this is probably an even larger uh, point to this. Uh, Fallon Fox, uh, which was the first MMA fighter to come out as transgender, once fractured the skull of her opponent in an MMA fight in 2014. Fox was challenging Tamika Brents um, and brutally defeated her. It said the fight lasted just over two minutes after the referee was forced to halt the contest. Brents received seven staples to her head and also suffered a concussion. She was overpowered by Fox to such an extent that even the orbital bone inside her skull was fractured. This is what the fighter said afterwards. I fought a lot of women and have never felt the strength that I felt in a fight as I did that night. I can't answer whether it's because she was born a man or not because I'm not a doctor. I can only say I've never felt so overpowered ever in my life. Mm. And I am an abnormally strong female in my own right. Her grip was different. I could usually move around in the clinch against other females, but couldn't move at all in Fox's clinch. So I'm going to read you a verse uh, that, that kind of goes along with this. First Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Uh-oh. Since they are heirs, yeah, we're we're All right, yeah. Here we go. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I did some research on that verse just to see, uh, because some people would say that could be in many different ways that she's weaker, but it really is and does seem to be in my research talking about physically. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so the husbands. Says, live with them, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to her as the weaker vessel, meaning that the man should step up to protect her, should love her, should uh, lead her, you know, to the best of his ability according to his relationship with Christ, uh, but also protecting her along the way. Just a few weeks ago, a wrestling team. Um, they did not have a female. Now, more and more, they're getting female wrestling teams now in high schools. Well, this particular high school did not have a wrestling team, um, and this girl wanted to uh, compete. Well, according to, I guess, Title IX or whatever, if you can't provide the girls' uh, sport, then you have to allow them to be able to play on the boys' team. I coached a soccer team 
that was like that. Uh, in, in high school, I coached a varsity soccer team where we did not have a girls team. And, um, you know, I was basically told, Hey, as a coach, you, you have to allow girls to be on the team. We were the, one of the only co-ed teams in the whole conference playing against other teams that were big strapping young men, you know, mm-hmm. that strong guys. Well, this wrestling coach, um, she, um, they arrived at, at an event and, uh, basically she wanted to, to go in and wrestle and he prevented her from doing so. I think rightfully so. Cause I saw the video, the boy that she was getting ready to, to go against, he was a beast mm. and he was scared that she was going to be severely hurt if that was yeah. the case. So I would say, according to God's word, he, he did the smart thing. But how do you think he's being treated today? Well, I, <laughs> he's a villain. Yeah. Well, I actually, <laughs> my senior year, I wrestled, which is funny. Um, that, that would be kind of funny. Because I was like Gumby. Um, but I will say this. <laughs> Who is that? There was a Gumby. He's, good. he's, he's too young. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, but there was a girl who wrestled. And I can't remember which high school. It doesn't matter. But she could absolutely hold her own. Like she yeah. was, she was, and, and the main reason was is I think two things played into it. Extremely flexible. Like she was extremely flexible. And uh, two, I think guys would uh, <laughs> not let up, but they wouldn't take it as serious. Like they were very cautious, so they would put their guard down. Next thing you know, they're getting pinned. But she was actually pretty good. Um, and she wrestled with men, and I, like you said, I, I've seen that it's grown. They that schools yeah. are having women's teams, which is which is cool. I think, you know, but um, yeah, when it comes to MMA, that Fallon Fox thing, that was a unbelievable. That was, I saw the videos. It was it. brutal to yeah, watch. It was not good to watch. Yeah, because there was no doubt. I mean, I don't know how they made the same weight. That yeah. was the thing that I was like, because this Fallon Fox was like, it seemed like twice as big as it. I'm like, how in the world did they get in the same weight? Hmm. But anyway. Yeah. So, um, I had a part two, uh, to this question is how do we deal with this in the church? So let's, let's move away from dealing with a society and how do we handle these situations Inside the church, just this past week, I had the question asked to me, um, if a parent brings their child to church and um, they're affirming in their child's uh, desire to be an opposite of uh, what they were born to be biologically, uh, maybe they have chosen pronouns or you know, even a, a, a girl name if they're a boy, a boy name if they're a girl sort of thing, um, how do we deal with that in the church? Do do we and and we were talking about this before we came on. You know, we we can't expect people who are not followers of Jesus, who who don't live the way the Bible tells uh, them to live. It's hard to hold them to that standard. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't hold them to that standard. But we are followers of Jesus, and we do have a standard. So how do we deal with that inside the church itself? Sunday school, worship, ch- children's church, nursery, whatever it is. I th- when you said that at the beginning or whenever before, 
uh, I'll try to play it through my mind. Um, a, a scenario that we we faced uh, wasn't with a kid, but we had we did a movie night, and we had this a girl show up, and she had Daisy Duke shorts on and fishnet stockings, and I mean looked you know she was tatted up, but she had hairier legs than me, and um, she said, "This is my girlfriend." And our boyfriend will be here in just a minute to watch the movie. And uh, it was outside. And I said, it was great to have you. And took them. Um, we actually bought them popcorn and stuff. Um, but I, I think with I think with a parent, like if that scenario played out, if a parent brought a kid back, it would have to, to me, it would be based on the scenario. Like if they come back there, and I don't know that they would unless they were trying to spark something. But if they were to come back and say, hey, this is Alice, right? The kid's name's Alice. Well, they don't know him. Well, it's not like, what is what is their real name? You know, but if they were to come back there to try to prove a point and say, you know, his name's Alex, but he would prefer to go by Alice and her. Yeah, we're not going to play that game. So I think it would depend on the situation, exactly what was said and, and that type of thing of how we would handle it. Because if it, if it's done to try to prove a point, I mean, just like that girl coming up and saying what she did, I, I have to believe that she was trying to shock me to see how we would handle it. Mm -hmm. And um, like, welcome, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and the, they stayed and watched the movie. So I, I do think it would depend on the scenario uh, with the kid that if they said this, her, her name's Alice. Well, I don't know it any different. Mm -hmm. I think it would be, I don't, I don't know that I would sit there and say, what, is this really a boy? Or I don't, I don't know that because mm -hmm. that's going to yeah, cause mean, it, something. It may be very apparent, and it might be an actual girl, and I misperceived yeah. this, right? Yeah. So, so I think yeah. it's a scenario, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, um, what if um, I'll, I'll give it to y'all, pastors. Uh, I, th I think I know what what a good way to play this out is. But if someone is in, if you're if you're doing a Sunday school and someone and you, you and the for some reason that topic comes up and someone who is. Um, either a member or, or or even a visitor, if if they bring if they say something to an answer that's very that's very public, that's very just like blatantly, this is uh, saying something that they believe is true that is not in scripture. How how do you how do you approach that in like a Sunday school context? Can you back that up with scripture? Amen. There. <laughs> but like, but like, would that be something where because it's a because it's a public profession that, that that is that that is incorrect that could potentially lead others astray is that something where you need to quickly and graciously mm -hmm. tell actually say saying. what the truth is or yeah. is there something that you need to hold off um give it a moment and then talk to them after the service oh i'd have a discussion yeah okay i always think about um in this situation jesus conversation with the woman at the well that's exactly the scripture. Man, me and you are just like <laughs> on the same brain brain cell. That we're sharing that one cell. Wow. Um, I think about that conversation in John four that he has with the woman at the well. Yeah, she obviously had there was a, a an ugly truth about her life, um, and everything about the situation was unusual meeting Jesus there in the middle of the day. You know, we can go into all the cultural reasons why that was abnormal. And Jesus is able to discern that obviously because he was wise, but also because he was the son of God, but that he didn't shy away from that truth about her life. And he still treated her with dignity, with love and respect. 
And I think maybe that's a good rule of thumb to take into these kind of situations where we may be confronted with that in the nursery or, you know, the children's program or whatever. And, and we have to tread very gently on that truth and love tightrope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is possible. And again, we go back to the same issue with what is best with, for society. Well, what is best for this individual? Do I need to really participate in this delusion with them, or do I just need to, you know, lovingly and say, okay, well, I understand that that's your 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 preference, um, but you know, yeah. here's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a it's a sticky question. It's a sticky issue, and it's something that I think every church is going to have to come to terms with. If they haven't already. Well, let me ask you all this, and I'm I'm in the heart of West Asheville. <laughs> so it's very possible. Um, but let's say, for example, a, um, a man dressed as a woman comes into your church or a gay couple or a lesbian couple comes into your church. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you handle that? So I, that's actually happened with me. It's happened Ooh. to me too. I've had, I was going to say it's happened some, with me as well. Now, they were visitors, yeah. um, and they had a discussion with me after the service about certain beliefs that they had and I just was very frank with them and told them like look hey what you saw this morning is what you're going to get did they come to you they did I got you oh, wow. um and basically just told this was a, a this was a lady and she was very forthright about her sexual preference and everything and I just told her like hey you're welcome to come and be a part of the worship be a part of the uh, the uh, preaching and the singing and all of that I said but um we're not going to shy away from the scripture we're just going to preach it as it is and um stay with the bible and so we were clear on that and she came to a couple more services and then um there was one where i was teaching about uh sodom and gomorrah it just happened to (laughs) just happened to come up just happened yeah (laughs) and she never came back after that so that situation kind of resolved itself but it is more prevalent because um this year with uh, you know people coming back to church and with COVID, people kind of being dislocated, looking for churches and places. Maybe they went to a, a very liberal church, but because of COVID, they're not open anymore. Right. So they're just searching for somewhere. And so um, they found out that Liberty wasn't the place for them. But, yeah. but that's okay, right? Because we did have a meaningful discussion, and, and terms were laid down, and... You know, yeah. I hope that that lady did hear some truth and and was challenged by it. And sometimes when people are challenged with the truth, it's too much for them to bear, and and they hit the road and yeah. mm-hmm. and go somewhere else where they don't have to confront what's what's ugly. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely happened. Yeah, yeah, and it happened with me too a couple years ago when we did a an event for high school football team. Um, we were feeding them, and we were going to be doing a. Um, uh, one we were having a speaker who was going to be presenting the gospel, and I made the mistake of of saying, um, you know, hey, welcome, gentlemen and lady. This team actually had a girl on the team, and she came up afterward and corrected me and said, I'm a, I'm actually a man, I'm actually a boy, and uh, she was identifying as a boy. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, that was like my first exposure to it, being corrected by. A fifteen-year-old or sixteen-year-old or whatever. So right. Actually, I'm actually a man. Give me my food yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. and, and in that case, <laughs> so in that case, what I they're said, a visitor, right? So in that <laughs> yeah. case, what I did was I said, 
I said, you know what? I didn't know that. I said, but I'm glad that you're here. And I said, um, you're welcome to, to eat. And, um, and you know, I hope that you get something out of the speaker. I just kind of like just really broad yeah. stroke kind of glazed over it. Right. But that was kind of like culture shock for me. I'm going to say that was like maybe 2016, 2017, oh, wow. something like that. So. Yeah. I, I think love and grace, it, it, you know, and truth all together needs to be our goal. And so, and, and of course, the, the context in which you find yourself is going to determine how you deal with it. So if it's just somebody walking in during a worship service, they're sitting on a pew, a chair, whatever, and they're a part of the service, no matter what gender identity they, you know, or sexual preference or anything, uh, if that's where they are, that's exactly where they need to be. Sure. And, and so we're thankful that you're, you're a part of it. And, and, and if that's you out there happen to watch this, we're glad that you come. Uh, but we are people of the book, and, and we're people of the truth, uh, and we won't shy away from that. Now, I, I have heard some horror stories, um, unfortunately, with some folks doing some horrible things, you know, and saying horrible things. And, and that's definitely not the way that we should be treating folks. Um, but if we move from just a, a worship service where they're just kind of a part of the crowd to a Sunday school group where, uh, you know, something can be said that, that yes, it can maybe get people off track. It can, uh, lead people astray possibly, or something like that. Then depending on what's said and how it's said, you may need to address it right then. Or you may be able to take the, you know, meet them after Sunday school class or something and, and, and give them the truth and let them know that, hey, that's not what we believe as a church. Um, and I would appreciate it if you wouldn't, you know, say that again. Uh, we love you. We're glad you're here. But at the same time, that is not what we believe. Um, and, and to be honest with you, if, if they want some to go to a church, where people believe like they do, they can find one. Mm -hmm. I mean, generally they're advertising, you know, out on the street that they're, you know, you, you can find us. Um, so we need to wrap this up very quickly. I, I would add just a, a couple of things into this. Uh, if you're a church out there, you're, you're a lay person, you're a pastor, whatever it may be, these are things that you're going to have to think through. And I would say that you probably should have already thought through these things. You should have already made some plans, if at all possible, of how you're going to deal with these issues. But a lot of us have not. And so it's good to have this uh, discussion. But I would also advocate, um, if you're in the church, that you need to have some doctrinal statements even mm -hmm. about uh, who God created us as, who He created us to be, what a marriage is, what the sexual relationship should be, and who should be a part of that. I think those are the things that we need to have on the books, uh, because if we're not careful, people come in, and if we haven't stated it, um, then then it becomes muddied up. The, the, the water gets muddied, uh, people begin arguing and, and disagreeing, and you know, and they may bring a family member in and say, well, you, you know, we've never made a statement on this or it's not in your doctrinal, you know, statements online or, or, or whatever it is. I think we'd be far better off if we go ahead and establish those things um, 
put them into your constitution and bylaws or, or whatever. Moving beyond that, even facility use, making it very clear who can use your facilities and for what purposes. Um, if, if you're going to have marriages at your facility, who can be married? Uh, and, and unfortunately, we've got to really kind of narrow that down uh, to uh, specifics. Maybe it's just members of your church that are in good standing, which means they should have already been baptized believers. They're followers of Jesus. They're living a life following him in the correct way. Um, so maybe we need to narrow those things down as well. So I would just kind of tag that on at the end uh, as things that we need to think of. I appreciate you guys, everything that y'all said today. Nate, appreciate you co-hosting with problem. us today. Much Pin better than Ben. Pinch Much hitting. Yes. No, we'll no. take Nate the Great any day. <laughs> uh, well, Ben Kerfman, I hope he's not your DH. You know, I hear a whole lot of arguments today about the DH, the designated hitter. Oh, yeah. uh, if he does this good again, he he might end up staying in the yeah. seat. So mm. you might want to be careful I, there. I need to end the stream. <laughs> <laughs> but we're yeah. so glad that you've joined us again today on the Four Horsemen podcast. We'll see you again next week. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review.